0: Welcome to the Line Cool Podcast,
1: a tennis show presented by Hector and Toby. Got it. Hello and welcome to the Line Cool Podcast. Toby, how you doing, mate?
0: Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm well rested after our, uh, our long break here over the summer. Not much going on tennis-wise over the summer, so I think it's a pretty decent time for us to, to take a break. And I'm very much looking forward to getting back into doing this podcast with you, mate.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. We we are both well rested, you know, after two weeks of the U.S. Open, late nights, late nights and such, and early, early, morning's, early mornings, even. Yeah. Woo! It's not
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> But uh, yeah, we've we've had a bit of a bit of a sabbatical away from the podcast. We've been a, had a very busy summer, both of us, but we're glad to be back. And uh, we're going to be bringing you the uh, recap of the amazing U.S. Open today. It was um, it was pretty mental, wasn't
0: it, mate? It was brilliant. Yeah, this is fresh off watching the final. Um, I think it's probably the best time to insert a clip. I know we didn't do a US Open preview per se, but let's, you know, cut our minds back to April, as I'm sure all, all our fans have memory of. And a clip from Hector and one of your earlier predictions this year. Uh, anything else you want to go over? any other any other business
2: Mm-mm. Carlos Alcaraz
0: Carlos Alcaraz <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: he's, he's um, I, I think I'm just I'm just going to say it predictions wise um, what do we think is happening with Carlos Alcaraz's year
0: is he going to win a slam
2: oh he's, he's going out there he's, he's going big
0: I I don't I don't think he's going to win a slam
2: US Open you you <laughs> He's gonna win the US Open. He is I I I think um, whenever I look back at um, you know players' seasons, I look back at uh, you know Djokovic and Nadal, Federer, Nadal's breakout season, 2005 11 titles, just absolutely crushing it. Wins the French, wins absolutely everything in sight. I can see him winning. I mean, he's already won three titles. Two titles, two titles this any, year.
0: I think he's only won two titles.
2: Two titles this year, three titles total. Yeah. He's only won two titles this year. Rio. Rio as well. I mean, I think he can go and win seven, eight titles total this year. Wow. Another couple of Masters, Grand Slam. You go, Carlos. You go.
1: Don't prove me wrong. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously the um, this year's US Open was won by our boy. Our boy Carlos Alcaraz, and he is now the newly crowned world number one. How do we feel about it?
0: It's it's brilliant. It's it it's the prophecy that we were we were hoping for. This is exactly what we've been talking about on our time here on the Line Court podcast. And I mean, you know, I'm just, let, let me just list off his achievements this week. It's his first ever Grand Slam singles title, of course. It's the youngest major. Champion since Rafa Nadal in 2005. The youngest US Open champion since 1990 when Pete Sampras won it. He's the first man to win the US Open in his first or second appearance since Pancho Gonzalez in 1948. It was his fifth singles title of the year and his 51st match win 2022, leaders in both categories. Um, He's the youngest and first team to top the ATP rankings. And um I guess an unofficial record I would say he probably played in the point of the tournament, um, with that filthy behind the back shot against Sinner, right. which also happened to take part in the match of the tournament, which I think the Alcro sinner game was the best match of this tournament. Yeah, and he spent he spent over twenty-three hours on court as well, on route to his victory.
1: Well that's that's, that's, that's also another record. It's the longest amount of time spent on court in a singles Grand Slam ever
0: he just loves tennis too much doesn't he? he just wants to be on court the whole time so many five-setters wasn't there
1: right, he just does three three consecutive to get to the final crazy absolutely crazy I mean we both like I I was just both kind of a little bit speechless because it came around yours on Sunday to watch it and we we hadn't really watched that many together but we had actually covered quite a lot of it um, these last couple of weeks because as I was, I was chatting to um, TME the other day Um, And out of all the Grand Slams, this is probably the easiest one, I know, personally for me to watch because my sleep schedule is pretty pretty bad. Um, You know, because, like, they're they're on pretty late, so I can watch a lot of them, whereas um, Wimbledon and French, that's in, you know, the time when you're working. A lot of the matches uh, start at 11. And Australian Open, just, well... No chance. No no chance, no chance. No chance. Unless it's the weekend. But, um, yeah, like, I... I completely agree with you. The, the Cine Alcaraz match, match of the tournament, absolutely ridiculous. I, I went through the motions. I, I, um, I was, I was sad. I was elated. I was, um, I don't, I don't know what emotions I felt. I was delirious at points to be quite honest with you. Let's, let's just say an eye mask went flying.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I know you got a, at half past four in the morning to watch that game. I, I was awake at half six, and I managed to catch the final um, hour and a half or so of that match, the fourth and the fifth set. And it was absolute road ghost. I mean, Alcraz facing match point down in that fourth set, still goes on to win the fourth, come back from a breakdown to win the fifth, go on to beat Tiafo in the semis, to beat Rude in the final. It's just, it was just brilliant to watch. And I think it was great to see how he was a fan favorite and he was the one who the crowd's behind in the large majority of his matches. Um, You know, it was, it must've been very quite dispiriting for rude, especially in that final when, you know, pretty much everyone wanted our crowds to win in, in, in in the stands. And it's just, you know, he's, he's kind of got that it factor, that, 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 that charisma, that character that people find it so easy to get, to get behind. And obviously he's a walking highlight reel as well, which definitely helps. So. Yeah. It's just you know we were loving his his celllies this week you know Yeah conductor the the, the outer the outstretched um chin looking round the power pose the conductor like you said he was I love up, it. I love playing in the right. crowd like a fiddle wasn't he He loved it
1: It was brilliant I mean he this this week he played every single match on Arthur Ash stadium 19 years old People just people just love him I mean I did I have heard from a few people that they think he might be a little bit arrogant or um
0: I don't think That's so at thing. all. I,
1: I just, I just don't, I just don't get that feeling. You know, no. I just don't get that feeling at all. You know, I just, I just if feel he... like it's, 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 it's innocence. He's, he's not trying to do anything, you know, bad here. He's just, he's just being himself. And he's whenever he's pumped up, it's not to do with trying to put the opponent off. It's just who he is.
0: Listen to his post match interviews, his post match press conferences. He's such a humble guy, and he's such a, you know, he seems like very genuine and. Um, just, just just someone who I I would not call him arrogant at all when I, mean, I No, me neither. If you're a nineteen year old with five titles this year, a Grand Slam title, and you're world number one, I mean, I think you have all the right to be that kind of cocky kind of personality on court if you want to be. And I mean, especially if you compare him to just your generic um youth player who's come up through the ranks and who's who who who's performing well. There's so many bigger, more cocky, arrogant personalities on the tour. Um than Alcaraz and Alcarez, I think is 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 one of the only younger ones who is who is a, who is a lot more humble and a lot more um, genuine.
1: You yeah, know what I mean? Genuine and grounded, and just he seems mature beyond his age. Really, to be honest, and I would agree. I think one one thing that really impressed me this week was that, as as we say, he is a human highlight reel, but he brings the goods as well. Even though he plays a lot of those points and I think he lost focus a lot this week actually I think especially in those five setters because they shouldn't have been five setters a few of them to be completely honest shouldn't have been a five setter against Tiafo. he had match point in the fourth should have converted it and it shouldn't have even gone to more than three sets against Sinner he had five set points in the second set and he served for it in the third set so once he's gone into the fourth set what does his mindset do? He's probably thinking, I, you know, I don't know if he is thinking that, but I know what I'd be thinking. I'd be thinking, bloody hell, I should, I should be in the, um, you know, in the locker room by now. I should have been in the locker room, straight sets to win. Good night. But he just put that aside, and and won, and it was absolutely, oh, it was just, it was just amazing. Like, I just, yes, get, me, get me, excited just thinking about it. Like, yeah, he, no,
0: it was, fantastic. it was, it was fantastic, and and the whole tournament itself, um, you know, there was no Roger Federer. There was no Novak Djokovic. um, Rafa was there. Murray was there. But, I mean, it wasn't your typical big three, big four, dominating presence, you know, which one of them is going to go on and win the title. It really had a tournament with the feeling of, you know, anyone could win it. And then it also had the added element of five different players coming into this tournament with the chance of, walking out as well number one which is unheard of
1: no it's, it's absolutely crazy i mean i think a lot of that is down to um the wimbledon points sort of like fiasco and also due to the covid um ranking points as well i think but both of those together contributed to that crazy possibility yeah perfect storm and honestly it made it ridiculously exciting
0: and to have that final because we we had you know not us just us but everyone in the tennis world have spotted you know by the time the fourth round quarterfinals rolled around especially after rafa went out to tfo it was like what we need now is a rude Alcaraz final for their debut grand slam title and for world number one at the same time and that is what we got and it was it was just brilliant
1: oh it was it was amazing mate i was i was pumped i was pumped all day all day to come over to yours and um to watch it, and to be fair, actually, the, um, the American football red zone got me a little bit more pumped. You know, I'm a bit, bit of a, bit of a foosball noob, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great fun. You know, being introduced to another sport that Toby could do a podcast on, his knowledge is immense. Yeah,
0: yeah no, it is, it is. But anyway, let's, um, let's let, let's focus on the tennis for now. <laughs> all right, we'll get on the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl in a few months' time. All right, Beep.
2: Beep. Beep.
0: but um, let's, um. Let's have a talk about some other players outside of our Lord Carlos Alcaraz on who we thought had a good tournament or who there's talking points. So, maybe um, have,
1: have you got a particular name you want to talk about? Um Well, I mean obviously the person who got to the final, Caspar Rood, going from number five in the world to number two, I have never I've never seen a jump like that. You, you know, the, the ranking was the rankings were so Close the points were so close between the top five six there it was just absolutely crazy and I think to to put that that pressure just put that pressure to bed and just handle it was absolutely yeah it was it was absolutely amazing from him and to have that chance to go to um to world number one as well, even to put himself in the position to get the chance to be world number one, i think is crazy and to do it on hard courts, you know because I think he's sort of labeled as a um a clay specialist, you can see why. He absolutely hoovers up the clay 250s, three in a row last year. But, yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. He played super consistently and <clears throat> nothing 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 put him off. Nothing put him off his stride.
0: No, I was very impressed with, of course, Kastroo this week. And he not only, you know, did well performance-wise, um, results-wise, but I thought his performances were brilliant this week as well. Just watching a few of his games, I think in particular that, fourth round win over Berrettini was very telling in in, in in the sense that he absolutely demolished Berrettini. I know Berrettini wasn't at his best, especially in his first couple sets, but Rude was just he really showed his talent and his ability with his big forehand and his and his big serve. Um he was just making mince meat of these players and you know it wasn't an easy draw. You know, he beat he beat um Carl Edmund, Tim Van Rijthoven of uh, the grass court fame he beat Tommy Paul which not an easy one especially in front of the uh, American crowd that was a cracking match yeah five setter there three, three tie breaks um, and then yeah beat Berrettini then he beat um, Hatchinov and you know I thought um, I, you know it was, <laughs> obviously disappointing to get all that way and have that well number one title and Grand Slam title within your grasp and to lose it but you know, it's it's um, two Grand Sam finals in one year for Casper Rude is, um, is 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 definitely a good achievement for him.
1: It's amazing. I mean, also I think I think that it's an interesting moment in sort of tennis history, really, and Casper Rude's history as well. Because what what happens? What happens from now? He's he's about a thousand points off Alcaraz in the rankings, but I feel like. Alcaraz is only just gonna get better and just mount the points now. Like is you know, he's he's younger than him. Is where will will Casparood get to number one? Will will there be space? I, I feel like he will purely just because of um injuries in the game, allowing people to come in and, and do that. But you know what it's like look what happened with um Yeah, ben I mean Nadal it's...
0: I definitely I d de- I d de- I definitely think Rude is gonna to continue to improve and get better. He is, you know, you all know everyone's making all this about Alcaraz being only you know, nineteen. I mean Rude's only twenty three. Yeah, it's, so it's crazy so much crazy. So much of his career left to play and and think back to Cincinnati just before the US, you know, he loses to this unknown American teenager Ben Shelton in 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 his first game in the in the second round in straight sets. And I just really feel uh you know, Rude's really improving on, on on these hard courts, and he's got um, he's got a lot of ground to, to to make up. And I think those points will come. I, I I think do I think he will become world number one? I think that's probably one of his better chances in his career. I wouldn't I wouldn't totally rule it out, but um, yeah, it might. <laughs> this might have been an opportunity that he's let slip through his fingers. Who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because I, I just feel like. I think especially with having won the US Open and the form that he's in, apparently Novak's going to be playing the Australian Open next year. But, you know, once a player wins the the US, you just feel like they're definitely a favourite for the, for the Australian. You know, and he's, he's qualified for the Nitto ATP finals already. Um, so, you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait to see how he does there. You mentioned um, Ben Shelton and uh yeah he he's he's been a bit of a um a bit of a, a bit of a discovery during the US high court season actually i I'd, I'd heard i'd heard about him i heard rumors you know this uh, young us college player um but he's yeah he's bloody great to watch actually i watched his first round match against nuno Bo- nuno borg Borgs? i'm i'm not sure how you say it the portuguese player nuno yeah I,
0: I watched him that as well actually it was, it was, uh, it was brilliant. a cracking atmosphere wasn't it
1: I mean I, I really wanted him to win actually. I really really wanted him to win that match. Um you know he he took it took it to a fifth uh, but I think he yeah just I think the the experience of Borges just grinding out on the um Challenger tour for years just just got there really. Um but you know I mean Ben, ben Shelton won um he he got his uh, entry into um his wild card entry into the US Open by winning the NCAA. Um Singles title, actually. And I didn't realize that every year the um the winner of that gets a wild card to the. Well, yeah, the I, didn't, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like it's a pretty cool way to win it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's he's actually turned pro, as well. So we'll be seeing more of him. Actually, he's he's going to be doing his um college studies while on tour, but um, he's definitely a, a name to watch out for.
0: Most definitely. Um, another person I'd like to to discuss, um someone who can never slip through the uh, the net of of the tennis meter is Nick Kyrgios. Um, probably not the first people to discuss Nick Kyrgios and his um, happenings on the tennis tour. But I just really feel, based off this performance and then also looking back at Wimbledon, that I reckon he will win a Grand Slam. within the next two years, I reckon Nick Kyrgios is going to win a Grand Slam. I really feel he has the talent and the ability to to take it all away. And it feels like his mentals are really, I guess, kind of coming together now to a point where, because, you know, his test ability has never been in question, but it's it's his ability to have, to keep all together mentally, to go all the way to the title. Um, And, you know, maybe maybe it's all coming together at, 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 at a good time now, The big three are kind of, I guess, on the way out. But, I mean, you know, even when he comes up against these top players in the world, he actually has a ridiculously good record. Um, He doesn't, you know, he's not afraid of getting his hands dirty against the big guns of the game. He's got a, let me, just run for a list. He's got a three and two record when he plays against world number ones. So a winning record when he plays against world number ones. He's got a four and one record when he plays Medvedev. He's got a two and one record over Djokovic. He's got a six and three record over Zerev. He's got a four and one record over Sitzpas. Not yet played Alcaraz. I'm looking forward to that person oh, count. That'd be, a that'd, be that'd be a firecracker. That'd be really good. And he'd actually be seventh in the race to Turin if his Wimbledon points had counted. It's crazy. So, you know, he's actually had a really, really good year. Um and you know, he was he was Evidently gutted after that kind of, I guess, I would say shock loss to um, to Karen Hashanow.
1: Yeah, yeah, he um, was.
0: I wouldn't say he displayed it in the right manner, <laughs> in the way he smashed up those two rackets after the game. It's not really the way, you know, you'd say a true professional would, would, would have to a loss like that. But actually, I would say he's probably one of the best interviewees on the tour, not for the drama, as as most people probably tune in for, but you feel he actually just says it how he sees it um like much better you know much more interesting than like the trained monkey media trained responses you get from a lot of other players on the tour you know you actually get a proper insight into how he's feeling and 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 what his thoughts are so it was um definitely a great great week for the for in terms of you know that big old win against Medvedev and um people definitely kind of favoured him to get deep again into this tournament. I remember you saying after Wimbledon, you didn't think he was going to make another slam final, let alone win a slam. No, what no. Are you, what are your thoughts about that now?
1: I have to say I do feel differently about it. But upon reflection, I do feel differently about it. I just, I don't know. I feel like with the with the, pulling out of um, Nadal from Wimbledon, I just feel like that was just a a let-off for him, you know, because, because Nadal never gives up. He's one of those players. I know, um, Scott got win against him at Wimbledon and wins against some other elsewhere. But, um, I just, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't see him continuing that, that mental shift. And he really did do that this tournament. And I, 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 and everyone else, I feel expected him to beat, um, Karen Hatchinov. And it was weird seeing him that dejected, that disappointed, because I feel like he really, really gave it his all mentally to try and be there and win it. As you as you said, you know, I I I don't I don't think he'll win a slam in the next two years, but I'm not gonna rule it out for his career. I'm not gonna rule it out for his career, I don't think. You know, what is he twenty twenty seven years old? Um, with the level that he showed during this tournament and in Wimbledon, I feel like against most players. Um he's he's a favourite definitely at Wimbledon, I think, because he has that and I know, just 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 that raw power and I think um he displayed that getting to the final. But um
0: another another twenty seven year old player, Cameron Norrie, um who has reached a new career high ranking of is it eight eight in the world? He's is eight, yes. Yeah, who's reached a new career high ranking of eight in the world who's more likely to win a slam out of those two? Well,
1: that's, that's, that's a great question. Um, oh, that's, that's a really, really difficult one because you go with complete consistency, but not amazing tennis, not spellbinding like Nick Kyrgios, or you go with Kyrgios, who just absolutely blitzes it the whole tournament, and plays the best seven matches of his life. I'd say more likely I know it sounds crazy, but probably Cam Norrie just because of his consistency, I think. Um, Because if he's playing in a tournament where maybe perhaps a few of the most, the strongest players are out for some reason, say they get injured, say they get knocked out by someone unexpectedly, I think he usually capitalises on those and he can be consistent. But I don't, that's, that's where he comes undone, I think, against the top, top players at Grand Slams. Um, was that Cam Norrie? Yes, Cam Norrie. Yes. Um, yeah, I
0: mean, you know. How do you feel? Yeah. Um, is it? Yeah, I think I, I think you summed it up very well. Is you know, uh, you, you do, do you feel like curious can put together those seven perfect games with his talent, like he nearly did at Wimbledon this year, or will Norrie be able to grind out seven wins in a row to go and take a Grand Slam title? I mean, it was definitely an impressive outing again this this week around for Norrie. It's the second time he's got to the second week of a slam um in consecutive grand slams. Um, and he never actually achieved that before Wimbledon this year. So, you know, he lost uh, to Rublev in the fourth round, who, you know, there's absolutely no shame in losing to Rublev, who put together a very complete performance on the day. Rublev definitely played some of his best tennis, combining that with a pretty poor showing from Norrie. Um, he would definitely be disappointed with, especially how he was sitting his his back, backhand on that day. So many errors, pretty uncharacteristic for Cam Norrie. Um, but you do love to see his kind of constant improvement, Cam Norrie. It was, um, you know, it, I think it's good as a Norrie fan to feel disappointed um, and shocked that he lost to Rublev in the fourth round of a slam, considering that he never reached the fourth round of a slam prior to Wimbledon this year. So, um but you are right in the fact that he's typically pretty weak against top 10 opposition. Um, He actually has only an 18% win rate against top 10 players across his career, um, six wins to 26 losses. But, you know, one thing about Cam is that you do actually see consistent improvement within his game. Um, you know, he had a couple good first-time wins against top 10 players this year in the North American hardcourt swing. He beat Felix Auger Aliasim at Los Cabos, and he beat Alcaraz at Cincinnati as well. So, you know, it does feel like he is starting to kind of, you know, set up camp within this top 10 as top part of the top of the game. Um, and, you know, the question always has been, will he be able to consistently take on these top players and take that next step to win these big tournaments consistently and and, and to win slams. So, I mean, I think um, as much as I like Cam Norrie, I would probably back kyrios instead to win a yeah. slam over Norrie. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like he has that pure talent and ability that it could all click. And especially after his run at Wimbledon and his performance here in New York, for him to go home to his home slam um, in Melbourne at the start of 2023 with all that crowd support, who knows? Like that, that, that could be that that could be the time where he puts it all together. Imagine so. It, that would be absolute scene, especially after winning the doubles last year. To go on and win the singles the following year would just be absolutely crazy. But um, but yeah, I mean, for those two players, it is looking up. Um, Another player who I thought had a very impressive tournament was another British player, um, young Jack Draper. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, brilliant again. He's furthest he's ever gotten a slam um, at his debut here at the US Open. Uh, You hated to have a scene retire um, against eventual uh, semi-finalist Hasinov, especially after a big statement win against Felix Auger, Eliasim. In the second round, it's his second straight. Felt
1: like he was going to win it. It
0: it was just ridiculous. It's six four, six four, six four. It's just regulation. It was. It's a second straight win against top ten opposition after being six past at Montreal um, a couple of weeks beforehand. And he's only twenty years old. Um, He's now cracked into the world top fifty, quickly rising through the ranks. With I believe he's at forty six now, and you know forty two wins on the season four challenger titles all on actually interesting all on hardcore indoor um which is the kind of I guess bit of the season we're about to enter into mm. um so it'd be very interesting to see what kind of results he can produce at these indoor hardcore tournaments throughout the red throughout the back end here of 2022 um he's got a place at Sofia in a couple weeks' time. He's got a place in the qualies for um, Sultan, the Kazakh um, tournament. And um, he'll definitely be there at the next-gen finals as well. So I know, obviously, that's only a, an exhibition tournament, but, you know, the more exposure he gets to playing players at the top of the game, and it's just very exciting. I, I'm not quite sure if he's going to reach the heights Algraz reached um, this year or ever, but, you know, especially... As a British fan of tennis, it does seem like Jack Draper is the next best thing. It was brilliant to see four men reach the third round of the US Open as well for the first ever time. And I think it's just quite an exciting time for, for, for British tennis in general. Murray looked great, I thought. Decent win against Serendolo. And he, I feel like he definitely could have beaten Berrettini when he played him in the third round. It was pretty uncorre- uncharacteristic. for Murray dropping a few chances. Wasn't as clinical as he normally is. But you know Davis Cup now as well, and I think you know Britain have a really, really strong side. So it's um, no, it, was, it was definitely exciting to watch all these British British talent play over there at Flushing Meadows.
2: Yeah, definitely, mate. definitely. I mean, I, about the
1: uh, Murray Be- Berrettini match, I thought um, I thought Murray did a did a great job getting to the third round actually, because that had been a while since he you know strung a couple matches together in slams. I think just because of his body, but I think he's 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 got to be disappointed with his um, match against Berrettini, I think, you know, because he just, he played some crack in tennis and you feel like you're watching. Especially the way Berrettini Murray got again.
0: smashed by Rude as well. I mean, you know, he might be kicking himself watching that match because he'd be like, oh, the bloody hell I lost this guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a close, it was, it was a close loss, really. I mean, it was, it was four sets. He tie it, was key, it was a
0: couple key points in those first first two sets, which, which which really let him down. That was
1: it. He just he just gave. I feel like he gave a couple of matches away, a couple of games away. He donated them. I feel to Berrettini, mm. and you know Berrettini just played well and consistently. But I yeah, I feel like he just donated them, and he was so angry with himself, berating himself. You know, but um I don't think he's I don't think he's done yet. But I don't really because of the state his body's in. um and the fact that he's having to keep up with you know these, you know nineteen year olds fresh on the tour, like you know he, he had, you know he, he spent too much time on court really. I think to be honest with you, going four cents against um, Emilio Nava, Um, I just he needs to be more clinical in the early stages if he really wants to make it far in these tournaments. I think, um, but yeah, it's, it was it was great it was great it was great to see him back playing Andy Murray tennis again for the first few rounds. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think interestingly about the, um, what you mentioned with Draper at the ATP finals, I'm really interested to see how he will do there. Cause if we look at the, um, the ATP finals champions of the last three years, Stefano Sitspas, Yannick Sinner and Carlos Alcaraz, where are they now? All in the top 10. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: I think that's, I think that's a great tournament. They try out new rules and it's, yeah, it's, it, it looks, it looks great. It looks great.
0: If if if, if Alcaraz and Sinner both make the next-gen finals, sorry, the ATP finals, do they still play in next-gen or not?
1: No, no way, no way.
0: Okay, so, yeah, you know, cause if if you assume Alcaraz and Sinner both make Turin, then you have Jack Draper basically in third place behind Mazzetti and Runa, um mm. on his way to the next-gen finals. I mean, that's going to be... uh. That's going to
1: be very exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it'd be great because like they're all they're all proper up for it, you know, and they're all like sort of new up and coming talents in the game. And like Massetti, you know, he's beat, beat the new world number one in the uh, final Hamburg, yeah, this year. True. So, um, but uh, yeah, so match of the tournament, we've got our and center We both agree on that one. What is yeah. your upset of the tournament? Would you say if you had to pick one?
0: my upset of the tournament was definitely that first round match with daniel gallan well number 94 beating fourth seed Stefano sitspas six 6-love 6-1 six 3 six, seven, five. um this is just an incredibly unexpected win for daniel gallan a player who has been uh, you know riding the challenger circuit this year he's, you know, he's been battling through qualies just to make it to atp tournaments um here at Flushing Meadows, he comes through the first three rounds of quality of, of, of qualities to beat the fourth seed, Stefan Sitsapas. Um, Galan had no right to kind of win this, he's got no pedigree of beating top players. He's 0 6 versus top 20 opposition heading into this tournament. And you know, it's not like Sitsapas was ridiculously out of four or anything, like you said earlier, he's already qualified for uh, the finals this year. He had reached the finals at Cincy a couple of weeks earlier with, you know, decent wins over Medvedev, Isner, Diego Schwartzman. And this was actually the first time Sitsipas had ever been bageled by someone not named Novak Djokovic or Rafa Nadal. This is only the third ever time he's been bageled on the tour. So, yeah, wow. a pretty embarrassing loss, um, you know, especially... Considering he comes, Sitspass comes into this tournament as one of the five aforementioned players chasing that world number one spot. Now he leaves New York sitting 1,930 points behind Carlos Alcaraz. Um, yeah, no, it's absolutely brutal. Um, and it was just, it was just an impressive win. Um, you know, he opened up the match, winning the first eleven games. Um, did Gallen, and even after Sitspass, you know, finally yeah. got a grip in the third set and. Flip the momentum, I and mean, even in those sorts of games, when a player of his pedigree loses those first two sets, you still have that kind of thing in the back of your head, thinking, "Yeah, no, he'll he's probably going to come back and win." Especially you know when he goes and wins the third like that. But for for Gallant to to maintain his composure and maintain his fighting spirit, he had nine match points that game. Galan. it took him nine attempts to win it. Crazy. You know?
1: I did see that actually. It was it was pretty, a pretty nuts. crazy
0: pretty crazy stat and eventually um eventually he converts and wins and it was just um it was just brilliant I mean especially from, from a personal perspective I'm not not the biggest six pass fan so to see him lose in the first round is all the more delightful
1: <laughs> I mean I I have to agree with you I used to be a fan of six pass actually but in the last I'd say six months um maybe even longer actually uh, probably since sort of US Open last year time around a year, six months, Um, I don't know, since the toilet break incidents and him hitting the ball at people and not apologising. I just don't – I'm not a big fan either, to be honest. I think he plays great tennis, but um, I don't know, just something not right about the guy, to be honest. And one thing that was quite interesting about that loss was um, the fact that the US Open this year on a trial basis um, had allowed on-court coaching um, so you're allowed to speak to your coaching staff, and obviously, Sits pass have been called up for that a lot previously when um, when it wasn't allowed. And so the stipulations for this were, you were allowed to have a short chat with your coach, you were allowed to converse with them, no, um, you know, long intimate chats with them. Um, just you could say things to each other, and you won't be brought up for it, you won't be penalised. Um, and he's he's a big fan of that. I know he tweeted when. Um, when the US Open released it, that would be happening. He tweeted that he's, um, he's happy that's happening. He feels like the game is moving in the right direction. But personally, I, I know um, a lot of the players mirror my sentiments as well. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like it's, um, I don't feel like it's the, uh, the right way to be going because I think a lot of tennis is, uh, it's mental. You're, you're, you're out there. You have to figure out this, um, this problem. Uh, you have to figure out this problem yourself. You know, I, th- I think that's why, um some of the some of the greatest who have ever played the game are who they are, you know, Djokovic mentality, um, you know, all the top players they they have the ability to figure it out. But um, yeah, how, how how do you feel about the um, about the their choice to allow on court coaching?
0: Yeah, I could definitely understand why they're bringing it in. It it feels like this has been like a sort of underhanded practice that's been going on, even though it's against the rules. And then, you know, it's been a gray area in terms of, you know, what, what's allowed and and, and what's not allowed, even though it's, it's, it's obviously a rule that you're not allowed to do it. So it, it, you know, it kind of seems like a pragmatic approach from tournaments and from the ATP to allow this sort of coaching. And I do think it will be helpful. Um, from or I I think it'll be good from the fans' perspective. I think it'll be very interesting to to hear what the coaches have to say and what sort of feedback they're giving to the players um, mid game to see what kind of mid game adjustments they they need to make. You know, because it it would definitely be stuff that that I as a fan or even commentators wouldn't necessarily see um, because obviously these players go into these matches with certain ideas on how to win and certain game plans they want to execute and um, to see the coach and the player working together as they do 52 weeks a year also on the court I think it will be interesting to see how how, how they work in tandem I mean obviously I do understand it was one of tennis's kind of um, not selling points but one of tennis's unique points where it was the, one of the only sports in the world really where you don't have the ability to have input from your coach. I mean, even in in other racket sports, I was, I was at the Commonwealth games this year, watching some of the squash and, and between every set, you know, the player would sit down next to their coach and they would discuss what's happened and, 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 and how to move on in, in the following set. So, you know, I, I can see why it makes sense to add this to the game of tennis, but, you know, I guess for a purist such yourself, you want to, you want to, you want to keep the magic. <laughs> I reckon you could definitely, um, do some coaching during our matches, you know, might give you a chance to win one here here or there.
1: Mate, I I could definitely do with some coaching. You you know what they say? Either break his leg or just get better at tennis. (laughs) (laughs) Stay humble, Kings. Um, But yeah, I think um, my, my, you know, my feeling about these on, on court coaching rules. I think, I think it's interesting they did it. And I think, you know, whenever you want to see um, change happen, you just got to, you've got to roll with it and, and try these things out. But I, I'd much prefer it if they properly went for it. Like they did um, COVID throwback, um, UTS, Ultimate Tennis Showdown at the Moratoglu Academy. Um yeah a bit of bit of a throwback that one that those were weird times I remember when I paid what was it 5.99 to uh yeah to watch a month of that and they all had weird names like the hammer and I don't know Greek god it was it was odd but um they had um headsets on talking to their coaches at the um at the breaks um and I think they've done it at the um next gen ATP finals as well so I think if they're going to do it they might as well make it good for the viewers and um add a you know, point point of interest in there, as you said, um, you you quite like. Um, I think I know in some of the sports you watch, you quite like that sort of interaction, and you find out more about the coach, coacher, coachy um, relationship. So I think if they're going to do it, go all out. If you not, then don't bother.
0: Oh yeah, yeah I agree.
2: Serena. Um, yeah, let's touch touch on the on the on the women's side.
0: Um, yeah, Touching on the women' uh, side, say, say
1: that. Say that again. <laughs>
0: having a quick look over at the women's, so, sorry, <laughs> having a quick, <laughs> having a quick look over at the women's tournament. It was again some similar headlines. Um, I think something everyone kind of expected going in. Emmanuel who was unable to defend her title, losing in the first round to Elise cornet Um, it's a shame she dropped 79 places in the WTA rankings, um, just about clung on to be British number one, now sitting 83 in the world, 84 in the world. Um I still believe in Emma. I still believe in Emma. I think this is good. I think it's taken the target off her back and she can start to build, um, just build some better results together. I think it was tough this year as a 19-year-old, first year on the tour, and then having all all these expectations on her back. But, you know, now she's had that experience a year. She has, what is starting, it seems, to build this relationship with her latest coach who's sticking on with her after the US Open, which wasn't the original plan. Um, and it will be fascinating to see if she has the ability to string some wins together in in the coming year or even towards the back end of this year as that's what she's really struggled to do so far in 2022 is, is, is put together more than two wins in a row. So, um, you know, disappointing to see her losing the first round the way she did. I knew it wasn't going to be another fairy tale in New York like it was in 2021, but a, you know, she's still got a very bright and promising future. And I'm looking forward to watching Emorona Carney for years to come.
1: Yeah, mate, I I think you put that perfectly, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I think it was a little bit difficult seeing her lose that first round match, I think, especially because of the stark contrast to last year, you know, fairy tale in New York. Um, But... Yeah, I, she's still so, so young and she's got so much to, to give, give her, give her time, give her time, you know, um, it's, I think it's slightly savage going down from 11 to 83 in the world. Um, but as we were chatting about the other day, um, you know, she'll, she'll get wild wild cards and entrances into a lot of tournaments because of her, um, because of her reputation. And I think, and that I think will help her, um, Boost, boost that ranking back up again and and get get back to the top of the game where where she where she rightly should be
0: definitely um another huge headline outside of the winner of course is serena Williams and what is possibly her farewell tour she didn't officially retire from the game of tennis but judging by the scenes after she lost that third round game um it does seem like this could be it for who many consider to be the goat of 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 the women's game um i mean imagine having a ticket to ourash stadium to watch her first or second round or even her third round game the atmosphere was absolutely bananas wasn't it
1: i mean um someone i work with um she she had she had tickets she had tickets there wow. and she was she was part of the um you know at the end where where they had i heart serena yeah she was she was she was part of that it was awesome so they uh when they sat down they had um colored boards next to them which had instructions on the back of when to hold them up and what i thought was a really cool um cool part was they had eye holes on the oh, cards yeah. so everyone could see you know all, all the people holding up the cards could still see what was going on i mean she said funnily enough she actually um got tickets on the day um so she does this as a tradition with her mum um goes every year but um yeah, just got tickets on the day. It's not like Wimbledon. You can't, you know. Yeah, you can just turn up, get them, go see, go see Serena the goat. And yeah, it looks absolutely amazing. I mean, it was kind of awkward for the other, the other players for the opponents as well. You could hear a pin drop when they were hitting winners.
0: Yeah, imagine being Isla tomjanovic and him beating Serena. You must be net public enemy number one round there, even though yeah, you've just have done your job.
1: I mean, Serena had a cracking win in the um, in the second round against second seed uh, Net Conterit actually. Um, yeah won the tie break and then took it 6-2 in the third um yeah i mean it was yeah it was nuts it was absolutely mental you know i mean she's dominated women's tennis for the last 20 years so over over 20 years um yeah. but yeah that was that was pretty special and um she she said she doesn't like using the word retirement she's called it evolving away from tennis instead um you know focusing on um you know the other things, but so yeah, it was great. Sounds an awful
0: lot of retirement to me, so yeah,
1: it does, it does. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, um, and then I guess the, the main event, uh, third grand slam title, uh, second of the year, world number one eager, Jean Tech. Uh, what an absolutely fantastic couple of weeks it was for her.
1: I was, it was mental, like, and you know, she she just extended her lead at the top of the game. Now she has over double the number of ranking points over second place, her um, opponent in the final on So she has over 10,000 points now and on has 5,090. It's just a complete, yeah, she, I think this is starting, I don't know, in an era of dominance. She's so young. She's already got three slams. She so, she showed she can win on um, multiple surfaces there's no reason why she can't be winning the majority of the, you know, Australian Open, French, and U.S. Opens for the next many years to come. I don't see. I don't see why. And I think
0: even more impressively, she showed she can win big tournaments like this, even when she's not playing her best. Um, her best brand of tennis, she, you know, she didn't really come in to this tournament with any particular sort of form. Um, you know, a lot of her wins were. During that immense thirty-five um, game winning streak earlier this year, and um, you know, for her to come in and not be playing her best tennis, but still, you know, battle through and 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 win this, you know, she lost, you know, some uh, some sets to some early round opponents that she wouldn't necessarily have been expected to lose sets to. Um, you know in a game against Jess Pegula in the quarterfinals there was 12 breaks of serve in that match in in, in, in a, a two set match Is that absolutely crazy no, that's
2: um, so like it our just
0: <laughs> yeah exactly mate we're just too good at returning both of us as well so <laughs> um but it was just um yeah a super impressive to watch her win and um you know i was watching um and she's just so 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 fun to watch and see. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, similar to Alcaraz. I think both games have, have budding stars at at the top of the sport and it would be exciting to see where they can go from here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Is, yeah, just completely agree. You know, as you say, she, she won it without completely steamrolling all of her opponents, which is showing she can win these biggest tournaments, not at her best, which is what the world number ones do.
0: Definitely, mate. Um, should we should we call it there?
2: Yeah, I reckon that's I reckon that's all she wrote actually.
0: Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to our US Open recap. This is the start of something great. We are looking to continue podding podcasting on a more consistent basis, and um, yeah, until next time, we'll see you soon. See you later, Hector.
2: Cheers, guys. See you later, Toby. It was a pleasure. Bye, mate. Colby.